leaders. I'm your coach, Adam. Here to have an honest talk about leadership, the obstacles you might face, and how to refine your leadership skills to help you become the leader I know you are. So let's grab a drink, sit back, relax, and have a chat. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about knowledge without wisdom is a colossal waste of your time. And so without further ado, let's rock and roll. So first and foremost, there's nothing bad about accumulating knowledge. As G.I. Joe puts it, knowing is half the battle. But the second half is really being able to apply that knowledge to make a firm decision or action to kind of move yourself or your organization forward. But when it comes to leaders, leaders miss that second step. And they're really not to blame for that. Because if you take a look at leadership, particularly in large organizations, they tend to take individuals that are really good at one job. For example, a clerk or a sales clerk. They, they're really good at their job. They're absolutely fabulous on the front line. Management sees this and they say, hey, as a reward, we're going to boost you up into a management level. Of course, the clerk says, of course, I'm going to do this. I get better pay. I get better benefits. Da, 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 da. They get bumped up into that management level, but they get no formal training. They get no education and they get zero mentorship. And so the now new manager is sitting there scrambling to kind of pick up the pieces and drink from the fountain of knowledge, which is really kind of a fire hose of knowledge, let's be honest, about leadership and how to be a manager. And traditionally speaking, a lot of those new managers just start making stuff up off the fly because they have to. They're now thrust into this leadership position and they just have to figure it out. And so because they have none of this training, they have no supports, it becomes this all-consuming thirst of learning just how to be a leader without applying what they've learned. And traditionally speaking, what I tend to see is this thirst for knowledge then continues even after they become firm leaders, as it were, or well-seasoned leaders. They just continue to want to consume more and more and more knowledge. Because again, they were put through a trial by fire, and they've learned through that that, hey, I have to always be learning. I have to always make improvements. And I, I, so that never happens again. And this kind of reminds me of one of my very first jobs, which was working at McDonald's as a cook in the back. And I was actually quite good at it. I worked there for about one and a half years before management really started taking a notice that I was quite good at communicating and helping new employees out. And they said to me, they said, hey, Adam, we like what we're seeing. I know you're going places. We would actually like to promote you to a crew trainer. And me being young and dumb at the time said, yeah, I'd love that as long as it comes with the pay raise. And they said, of course it comes with the pay raise. You get 25 extra cents with that. And I said, oh boy, 25 extra cents. That's amazing. I'll, I'll take this on. And so they gave me this shiny new name, ba- 
name tag. I still have it. It's in my memento box. And they said, here you go. You are now a crew trainer. Your job is to train all the new people that we hire and get them fit for service within like six, seven hours. I said, awesome. I can do this. But they provided me with zero training on it. Zero knowledge, zero training, nothing. They essentially gave me a shiny new name tag and they said, figure it out. And it's very much a trial by fire. And I remember having to pull in a lot of the learnings that I had done through school and my own personal learnings to kind of figure out how the hell do you even train somebody? This, How do you teach somebody these skills? And I know you're, what you're thinking, like, hey, these are just flipping hamburgers. It's like, yeah, but there's also learning styles attached to that. You also have individuals that can't, they just can't do auditory learning. Some people are very kinesthetic learners. Some people are very visual learners. Like you really have to tailor your teaching style to the individual and how they learn. And I, nobody told me that. I just had to figure it out. It wasn't until I think it was like six months after my promotion that one of my one of my colleagues found out I had zero training in this. And they said, wow, you know, you're supposed to take a training seminar on that. And I said, no. He said, yeah, uh, there's a whole training seminar about this. And there's also um, some reading material that you're supposed to read and there's a whole package that you're supposed to go through and I said awesome I didn't get any of that and they said okay I'll go talk to your manager about that so I remember going to talk to my manager I was like hey I was told that I need to do all this stuff and like yeah probably and then they never brought it up again and I'm sitting there going awesome uh it's great to know that i have all this information at my disposal that i was supposed to read but i can't get any of it because my managers don't give two craps and i think that's very much a traditional leadership experience when somebody gets thrust into a new role they just have to make it up on the fly they don't get any information in regards with leadership and they're just flying by the seat of their pants. And then later down the line, they find out that there's all these resources. But of course, management or other leadership doesn't seem think that you should have it because you've already been at this job for how many months or years and you're doing just fine. So obviously you don't need it, which is just beyond the beyond. <laughs> but anyways, off of my little side tangent and story on that one. But that's... That's just how it is. And so because you're constantly being thrust into these trial by fires, you have to just you just have to drink from the fountain of knowledge and just start accumulating it. But the biggest problem is once you have accumulated this knowledge, once you have learned what you needed to learn, the next step is to actually build the wisdom to be able to apply it at your job, at your work site, uh, in real life. And I know so many individuals that are so smart. They, if you were to quiz them on anything, they would be able to answer you in a flash. These are typically shown in job interviews. I remember interviewing one woman and all my questions she answered flawlessly in regards with heart attacks, uh, what to do in emergency situations, in regards with head-to-toe assessments, this was all a nursing interview, by the way, in regards with 
allergens, if somebody was allergic to some something, what do you do? She was able to essentially answer all these questions perfectly. And she was a very smart woman. She'd just come out of the universities. And so she had all this information, but she lacked the wisdom to be able to apply that into her daily life. And this kind of shone when I was working with her. So <laughs> one day, I'm I'm in the back uh, typing away on my computer. I'm finishing up some documentation that I had to do for a few different patients, as well as I'm currently working on a big project for the organization that I was with. And I hear out in the hallway, Sir? Sir, are you okay? At first, I didn't really think anything of it, uh, particularly because we were a homeless clinic. We had many individuals that were coming off the streets, and oftentimes they would sit in our waiting room just to take, just to take a nap. Uh, because they were up walking around all night long. They haven't had a wink of sleep. And so now they can come into the health center and just take a nap. And so one of our job, parts of our job, was to go out there and make sure that they were breathing, make sure that they were okay. And so when I heard her say that out there, I just thought, oh, she must just be making her rounds. So I continued to type away. And then I hear, sir, sir, are you okay? A little bit more insistent. I'm like, that's a little weird. And then she persists and goes, sir, sir, are you okay? Sir, sir, are you okay? And I go, okay, something's going on here. So immediately I stand up and I exit my office and I walk out into the waiting room. And this waiting room was a very small waiting room. It had about six chairs. And I see this woman and her name's, we'll call her Kelly. And she's just kind of standing looking down at this individual. And this gentleman has face-planted himself into the floor. And he looks like a snail with his bum up in the air, his head in the floor, and he's kind of on his knees. And to complete the snail look, he has a massive chair on his back, which is his shell. <laughs> And I have Kelly standing over him going, sir, sir, are you okay? Sir, sir, are you okay? And I walk in and I go, hey, Kelly, he doesn't seem to be doing so good. Uh, sir, I'm just going to take this green chair off you. And I grab the green, green chair and ugh, move it off to the side. And I look around and I notice that there's drug paraphernalia right beside him and clear to me what's happened. It, it looks like he has overdosed on something. And when he overdosed, he lost consciousness. And because he was leaning forward, he just went into the floor, which was why the green chair was on top of him because he was sitting in it. And I looked at Kelly and I said, well, you're going to go upstairs and you're going to go talk to the nurses up there and have them bring down the medical bag. Uh, and inform one of the nurses to call 911. All right. And she repeated it back to me, exactly what she was going to do. And then she left. And I looked at this gentleman. I did my assessment on him. I, uh, again, it was an overdose. Thankfully, he had a pulse. So I didn't have to start CPR. And he was breathing, although very shallowly. And then I had my fellow nurses come down and Kelly came down with them. And Kelly just kind of stood in the corner. 
she didn't really know what to do. And the rest of us kind of dealt with the situation. We ended up having to give him some Narcan and uh, waited with him until the ambulance arrived, to which they then took him to the hospital to kind of get further treatment on it. After that, I pulled Kelly aside into one of the side rooms. I was kind of chit-chatting with her about what happened. And for Kelly, this was a brand new experience. She had never seen an overdose. She had never seen a medical emergency. And don't get me wrong, this woman knew exactly what to do during those emergencies. But she never had experienced it before. She didn't have the wisdom built up to be able to apply what she knew. And so she was really at a loss. And what my job was at that time was to sit down with her and be like, yeah, I know. This is a very common thing that uh, you're experiencing, which is not knowing what what the hell to do. Because in these emergency situations, people do generally one of three things. They either uh, freeze, run away, or they fight. One of those three things. And she very much kind of just froze up on that one. And so it's kind of building up and saying, you know, the first medical emergency that you're going to deal with is going to be like this. And the most important thing is to learn from this experience, see how I did it and see how the other nurses were doing it, and then apply that to the next time. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, we had another medical emergency less than two days later. And what was interesting was Kelly was then able to apply what she had learned from that first experience to that medical emergency. And although she didn't apply it flawlessly, she was still able to do it much better and much more proficiently than she had with the first medical emergency. So to kind of come back to it, Kelly, who was a very smart person, who knew what she was doing because she just didn't have the wisdom, couldn't help this individual in this state of life or death. She just she didn't have that wisdom underneath her belt to kind of help rectify the situation. And that's a problem that leaders in general are experiencing. And we tend to see this with seminars and educational uh, classrooms and uh, educational uh, experiences, if you will. Oftentimes what we see is leaders will go to these educational seminars, they will go to uh, these classrooms and lectures, they'll learn all this information about what they're supposed to do, about leadership, uh, and then they'll come back and then they don't apply it. They they don't build up the wisdom or and they don't build up the sound judgments from what they've learned to be able to apply that in the real world. And that's kind of where a lot of people are struggling. I had a woman come to me and she was struggling in regards with leadership and kind of getting down to that next level. And I remember kind of chit-chatting with her and trying to figure out where the gap was. And in our conversation, it became very clear that she had a very strong learning network around leadership. She was plugging into podcasts. She was plugging into self-help books. And she was reading uh, just a lot of leadership articles and material. And from there, I kind of figured out where the hole was, which was the applying portion of it. And I remember saying to her, 
I said, I don't care how many self-help books you read. I don't care how many podcasts you listen to. I don't care about how many articles you're looking at. If you cannot apply this stuff, it is a waste of your time. And to kind of point at one very specific book, I said, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie is a absolutely fabulous book. But that book can take individuals six to seven to eight months to read. And I know most of you, dear listeners, are sitting there going, six, seven, eight months, <laughs> I could probably finish that in a month. To which I would say, yes, you probably can, but you would be missing the point of that book, which is to read a chapter and then to apply that chapter in real life. And that's the hard part, is you have to look at what you're reading and then apply it. So, for example, with How to Win Friends and Influence People, you're supposed to read the chapter. For example, there's a chapter about just looking at somebody and smiling and just saying hello. Well, you read that, you kind of look at it, and then you then take that out into the real world and then you're supposed to actually apply it for a week to two weeks before you read the next chapter to figure out what you will then apply on top of that it's like layering a cake or stepping up a ladder you just you apply what you learned and then you learn more and then you apply again and that's where many leaders kind of just struggle with that application process and building up the wisdom because the thing about applying what you've learned is you're also going to start accumulating more experiences. The more experiences you accumulate, the more knowledge you accumulate, the better your judgment is going to be. The better your judgment is going to be, the better your wisdom is going to be because wisdom is the ability to make a decision or choice based on a firm uh, knowledge base based on experiences and based on your own personal judgment. So now that we've kind of talked a lot about why education and knowledge is kind of useless without being able to apply it and to build up that wisdom, the next question then comes into like, well, how do you even build wisdom how how do you apply what you're what you've learned and for that you got to slow it down like you really really got to slow it down like i said to that uh one woman i don't care how much you're listening to these podcasts i don't care how much you're reading what i really care about is how you're applying it how are you just transitioning that knowledge out into the real world like you can take a a seminar but if you don't apply anything that you've learned it was why did you go it was a waste of your time it was a waste of your money stop it stop it you have better things to spend your time and money on if you're not going to do anything with it Uh, but kind of going back to it you, you have to slow it down And you have to be more mindful of the goal that you're moving towards. If your goal is to be a fabulous leader, is to become the leader that your people deserve, 
then what you have to do is you have to build out that goal and you have to say, all right, what am I going to learn where or where am I going to drink from the fountain of knowledge or the fire hose as I like to call it? What little bits am I going to try to spoon feed into my mouth? And then from there, how am I going to apply this into my real life? How long is it going to take me to actually be able to firmly implement this as a habit into my real life or into my position? And then how am I going to evaluate it to see if I was successful or not before I start adding more layers to this cake? Because the thing about education is it's very foundational uh, or it's very layered. You have to start with your fun foundation and then you just kind of build on top of it. You can't skip around. So in leadership, you can't skip your interpersonal skills. You can't skip just talking to people and listening. If you miss that step and you go, go straight to, for example, uh, decision making and being assertive, at the end of the day, all you've done is piss a lot of people off and you're going to be kind of a failure as a leader. So you have to start with those fundamental foundation pieces. So to help you aspiring leaders out there in building up your wisdom and building up your knowledge repertoire, this is generally a very easy way to go about it. First and foremost, when it comes to education, you should be reading 15 minutes a day in regards with whatever skill you want to get proficient in. So if that's leadership, you're supposed to be reading a leadership book for 15 minutes a day. Then the next step is after you finished reading a section or a point, your job, next job is to take a full week to implement this into whatever it is that you're doing. So for example, if you're reading a book about listening and you learn that you need to stop talking as much and just kind of maintain eye contact and nod your head and leave three seconds of silence before you jump in on any given conversation, then you need to take a firm week to start listening and implementing these skills. This is a great start. Now, I will be 100% honest with you. It generally takes people much longer than a week to be able to implement even just one skill. Generally speaking, it will take an individual about oh a month or so of solid work on a skill to be able to implement it. For example, I am trained in motivational interviewing. I did a two-day workshop on it. I was not very proficient or very skilled in motivational interviewing, and I actually had to work on it for three, four, five months before I even had a good grasp of how to use it inside my daily job. But then in order to master it or to get a really good grasp on it, it took me a couple of years. And so when we kind of come back to it, spending a week with one skill sounds like a long time, but it actually isn't and is only the very first starting block of kind of getting it implemented into your routine, into your regiment, and into your repertoire of skills as a leader. So one 
We're going to read about 15 minutes a day to get that knowledge piece. And then we're going to spend a week applying it, actually applying it. And in that week, what's actually going to start happening is as we apply this new skill what we or what we've learned is we're going to start creating experiences every time we apply the skill, whether they be good or bad, we don't really care. What we're doing is we're building up experiences that we can then later draw upon at a later date to kind of help us into the future. And then once we've kind of established or worked at this for about a week, the next phase is to sit down and say, awesome, how comfortable do I feel about this skill? And rate it out on a scale of one to 10. One being is I'm kind of comfortable with it, like I know of the skill, and 10 being I am absolutely confident about this. And be honest with yourself, because if you say you're a 10 and <laughs> you're fine with it, but you're actually a one, you've just hurt it, hurt yourself. Like you're not, you didn't do yourself any good and you essentially just stunted your own growth. And for what? For a little bit of pride? Don't do that. But also, and this is very important, if you feel that, for example, you've done this skill for about a week, you're still not confident in it, go back and reread that skill or what, you learned reread it look at it actually learn why a little bit more about the skill and how to implement it and then take it back and try to implement it again or just spend long a couple more weeks implementing this again this is not a uh, sprint this is a marathon nobody cares how fast you learn this information People only care about how well you can implement this into the real world. And so as a leader, that's our goal, is just to accumulate this knowledge and then to build up this wisdom to be able to apply it to our jobs, to apply it in our everyday ordinary lives, to become a better leader in the future. And so with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to cut it there and I will see you guys in the next episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give it a like and share it with a friend. And if you're ready to take the next leap and improve your leadership skills, head over to www.seatingthelead.com and book your free coaching session today. Mm-hmm.